Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. I'm your host, James Orr, and I've got my co-host here, Robert Borland. What's up, Rob? How you doing, James? I'm doing awesome, Bob. How are you doing? Good, man. Living the dream. Living the dream. Yeah, I'm uh, just getting, you know, fall is here. I can feel it in the air, and I'm looking forward to some deer hunting, but I guess we're, what, uh, another, at least I'm six weeks out. You? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the weather's finally changing, getting some rain around here. It's cold weather. So, uh, yeah, this episode, we're just going to talk about our upcoming deer hunts and the rut and what we got going on, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I've, I've been listening to a ton of podcasts now that we're kind of not you know, during the hunting season or during September. I didn't, you know, listen to too much, but now we're kind of in a transition between hunts and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, uh, Wired to Hunt, Mark Kenyon, it's a whitetail podcast and I enjoy listening to a lot of his episodes. He brings a lot of guys on that, you know, some of it, um, seems to apply to, uh, or I'd like to try to apply it to my blacktail hunting when he's talking to these guys about public land hunting and mobile hunting and different tips and tactics that these guys are utilizing on these different public pieces. And so, you know, I find that kind of stuff pretty interesting. Um, you've been listening to any podcasts at all? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still kind of listening to a lot of the, you know, everybody's kind of recapping their elk season. So I've been listening. I listened to the full draw guys yesterday we talking about all, all the elk hunts, so I'm still kind of there. I haven't got super into the the deer podcast yet, but it's it's just about time. That's yeah, sure. I I've completely and totally forgot about elk already. They're <laughs> they're they're a thing of the past. Uh, I'm I'm wrapping my head around deer. Uh, I did listen to uh, um, the what, what was the one you were just talking about? The... Uh, I don't know what they call it. It's at South Cox and Cody Kellum. Yeah, it used to be called Full Draw Full Time, but no, I think, I think they, it's like and that's bow called hunting the, West, the West or something. Yeah, yeah what the Western Bow Hunter, I think, is what they call it. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Cody uh, Kellum, South Cox, and South Cox just interviewed Mike Mitten. Um, he's that uh, gentleman that is associated with the Winslow Brothers. He's he was did that. Uh, those couple films with the Wenzels. Yeah. To... Yeah. That, I listened to that one too. That one's, that one's awesome. A stud. That guy, what is he doing? 21 days up in Alaska by himself. So yeah. 21 he, days hunting moose by yeah, himself. Yeah. What a stud. So uh, yeah, primal... I lear- learned a lot too. You know, I've always looked into those moose hunts and stuff and going self-guided and a lot of good info there for sure on, on doing it yourself. And it's just like, you know, it seems like up there, it's just like any other you know, every year you kind of get better spots and get it figured out. And he's been doing it a long time and, and, uh, I think he's got it dialed and going for 21 days probably helps quite a bit too. Yeah. That's hardcore. It sounds like he's, you know, it's all about having that relationship with the pilot and finding these places, the outfitters aren't penetrating into, and it seems pretty complex. The whole, uh, arranging the hunt and then 21 days by yourself hunting a moose. I mean, that has got to be intimidating. Just 
I mean, 21 days by yourself is hardcore, but then to think that if you con- if you connect with one, you're, you're going to deal with this uh, gigantic animal by yourself. It's 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 crazy. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, an, an elk's a big animal. Um, you know, we probably both. I don't know if you, but but uh, probably both done that by ourselves before, and that's a that's that's pushing it. You know, so yeah, moose several miles you know i think he talked about one he killed a couple miles from where he had to pack it to and then you're just spending days and days just packing meat um but what an experience you know and and we just did an interview that we're going to be dropping this week um with that uh jim akison and just kind of neat you know everybody's kind of got their different ways of doing it but there's just something for kind of the spiritual part of going by yourself you know i'm fortunate enough that i grew up in a kind of big hunting family and and uh, all my uncles and cousins and and so there's very few times i'm by myself you know i usually try to you know go with my dad my brother and and then you grow up with all your friends that go hunting and and it's like for me i almost have to just plan it you know like if if i'm gonna go by myself it's and then everybody's like, well, what are you doing that for? You know, so I, I just have very few days a year, which, you know, I feel like it's kind of a blessing, but, uh, after listening to him, it's like, it makes, gets me fired up to like maybe next year, try, try to plan a week or something just to do that. You know? Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm there. The antelope hunt, I spent a couple of days by myself and I have no problem sun up to sundown by myself. I like hunting um, by myself, you know, especially ambush hunting. I, I don't need someone to hold my hand in a ground blind or a tree stand by no means. I, I quite enjoy that, but I like a little camp life. I, I, I want to have someone to talk to. Um, South Cox, he brought up a good point when he started hunting by himself, he brought a, uh, AM FM radio and he would just listen to the radio at night. And I thought, well, th- I mean, that, seems simple but i think that could help would help my situation i i'm I'm a social butterfly and i don't think uh i really enjoy that um i want some interaction yeah uh so but I'm, i imagine as i get older i could i've done a blacktail hunt down southern oregon uh for a week by myself and what i found was I'd get back to camp and I'd be like, make an excuse to go to a restaurant and get dinner so I could go talk to people. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. I'm kind of a hermit. I'm, you know, I, there's always a few days every season. I'm seems like, you know, when I killed my bull this year, I was up there for, I don't know, maybe four days by myself. And, and, you know, like I love my family, but they're also a pain in your butt. Sometimes, you know, you get kind of tired of dragging them around or whatever, you know, arguing with your brother or whatever. And so for me, it's kind of like, ah, I do whatever, the, you know, whatever I want, you know, right. come back to camp. And when I'm, especially in September, I'm hunting hard. You know, you get up early time you get back to camp. It's late. I won't even eat dinner. I was by myself. I, I just went to bed. It was that simple. You know, I'd have like granola bar or something and, and just yeah, crash. See. And then, um, you might like camping with me. I I, uh, I actually get enjoyment out of cooking. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited <laughs> yeah. to get back and and cook some uh cook up a big meal and and uh, I get enjoyment out of that. So yeah, I 
I don't think those four days. I think all I ate was was uh, Epic bars, those RX bars, and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> could see I that. I was just like, eh, I, I'm fine. You know, I, I don't know. Food's not a big thing for me. You know, there's there was another crap back when I drew Arizona. I think it was 2005. I had an elk tag down there, and and uh, that was the year I turned out for my plumbing apprenticeship. So. I graduated from my little school, you know, it's like five years, but, but, uh, so during that school, I couldn't take the whole month off. So I could only go for 10 days just cause you couldn't miss, miss more than a couple nights of school. So that year I took the whole month off and, uh, and I had an Arizona tag and of course our Oregon tag. Well, I killed a cow early here. And so I was just kind of hanging out. So I went down to Arizona by myself like seven or eight days early and just scouted. And it was, man, again, you know, it was great. My brother flew down there and met me. And you're just, you know, like I said, I wouldn't want to do it all the time. There's guys that just hunt by themselves. You know, I got my good buddy, you know, he's got a cousin who's killed a million elk, you know, but he 90% of the time he just, he's hunting by himself, like He'd go to Wyoming on a elk hunt just by himself or Arizona or wherever, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to do that either. So there's definitely some extremes, but I think in my future, I'm going to plan some, some solo trips coming up. Yeah. That's what I kind of like about deer season is you could go with a buddy and you got those long nights. So you're going to have that social interaction and a campfire but you're going to go and spend that whole day hunting by yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so you, you're, you're out there doing your thing, doing you, and then you get to come back and talk about it. And yeah, you uh, get four or five guys in camp and, and everybody telling stories, have a few drinks. Yeah. It's great. And then you're still in bed by eight. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. <laughs> me and yeah. me and Danny, we'd shoot our bows, you know, but turn the headlights on on the truck and, you know, put the target out there in front of the tent or whatever, or the trailer and, and, uh, shoot a little bit at night and just keep tuned up. Yeah. It's, it's good. I'm looking forward to it. I love hunting that snow stuff too. So. Yeah. I, I think there's something, um, our listeners may not know about us is that, uh, me and Robert have, uh, only known each other since, uh, last winter we were brought together uh, by a mutual friend, uh, Andy Ponce of Addictive Archery. Um, Robert had interest in a, doing a podcast, and I had interest in doing a podcast. And um, Robert kind of was like, well, you do it. And I was like, well, you should do it with me. And, <laughs> and eventually, uh, as you guys uh, can tell, I sucked him in. I started without him, and we pulled him in. And so me and Robert actually haven't shared a camp together. Well, we have for shooting 3D. Yeah. Um, so we, we've, we've done that, but we haven't been hunting together yet. And, uh, eventually that's going to happen. Um, but we do have several mutual friends and, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of a, a little backdrop on, on me and Robert is we have a bunch of mutual friends, but we are, uh, kind of, uh, newer friends as of this winter and the podcast kind of brought us together. And you live halfway across the state from me too yeah i'm exactly neighbors yeah we're not neighbors we're four hours away and so 
you know, I, I did find myself in Robert's neighborhood uh, last weekend and got to come hang out. And that was nice because I hadn't seen Robert since um, July. Yeah, right before your antelope hunt. Yeah. Yeah, so. Well, yeah, it's I'm good, looking... man. Are you, uh, what do you got going on for your blacktail? You starting to get out and poke around or all your your stands already set up? Like your, well, not your stands, but are they all prepped? You hunt in the same it... area you did last year? Yeah, so I've got I've got uh, a couple stand, I got a couple trees prepped where I killed my buck last year and I've got a handful of, of spots in my head that I need to go out and prep and I was going to do that some of that today and I didn't get to it and this weekend uh, I think Friday and Saturday I'm going to get out and uh take the pull saw and limb up some trees and some shooting lanes and and I've got a couple fixed stands that I will uh, put out, and then I have my um, lone wolf that I'll use for my mobile setup, and and so I'll go uh, prep some of those sites out and just kind of get ready for that. And look at, you know, I don't expect to see a lot of deer this time of year; they're pretty pretty nocturnal. But just kind of look, kind of signs in the area. Um, I've thought about going out and doing a little shining because I I've looked and it's not, it's it's not illegal in Oregon. I know that I've heard a lot of whitetail guys uh, in some states where it's legal they'll go out and run the spotlight in some ag fields and stuff to kind of see what's around. And I've got one area that I hunt that um, I kind of wouldn't mind going out there at midnight and seeing what's standing around in some of these uh, fields because they will move off of these fields into the public where I hunt. And it's always kind of fun to get your eyes on some of these nocturnal little rabbits. Yeah, no kidding. I guess that's yeah. a way to do it. I always thought that was illegal. Isn't it harassing wildlife or something? You looked it up? I bl I'm pretty sure, and I better double check, but I'm pretty sure as long as you don't have a weapon in the car. Oh, okay. That it's, it's not illegal. I've actually went out with... Um, our local uh, district wildlife biologist and they were doing a dirt deer survey and a uh, blacktail deer survey where we run spotlights and he invited me to come out one night and we went out from like 10 o'clock at night to like three in the morning and we run these big spotlights and went out and seen deer standing around all over the place and um, it was pretty cool and I, I'm pretty sure he told me that as long as you don't have a weapon in the car um, that it's, it's not illegal. Right on. So I don't know that I'll actually get out and do that, but I, I'm kind of curious. Um, there's a few nice, uh, mature bucks. In one of the spots I hunt that, like I say, will utilize some of these farmers fields. And I'm kind of curious to see if they're alive and, and moving around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been listening to, uh, uh, the Wired to Hunt podcast, like I mentioned, and then also um, The Hunting Beast. I brought that up in the last podcast. Uh, Dan Infault, thehuntingbeast.com. They've got a, a podcast on there, but it's mostly a form full of information. It's a whitetail thing, and these guys are all like hardcore 365 days a year uh, whitetail hunters, and they're all uh, – Mostly all public land, um, do-it-yourself, mobile hunters. Um, you know, they're not getting all into, 
the whole uh, food plots and uh, feeders and big private ranches. You know, they're just they're they're just blue collar guys, and so I've learned a ton of stuff from those guys and, and Jason Sankoviak. And so I'm really excited to try to start applying some of these tips and tactics I've been learning from these guys. And so a, a lot of that comes with scouting. It's a lot of scouting. And so I need to get out and do some more scouting. And like you said, prep these trees because the trees have so many limbs on them. And I, I learned the hard way. I had a hot spot and I went in there and trimmed everything up and hung a stand and the deer moved out of the area for the next couple of weeks. So you can't really do that um, while the hunt's going. You, if you do move into a spot that you want to hunt and you haven't prepped it, from what I've learned, you just need to make do with what you got. Like find it might be, it might be the optimal tree, but grab the tree that doesn't require you trimming shooting lanes and just hunt it. Because yeah, you want <clears throat> least disturbance possible, huh? Yeah, totally. I know those Boyd Iverson books have. Blacktail tack trophy blacktail tactics, I think one yep. and two. Like he yep. was he was a big he's a rifle hunter, but he was he did all tree stands, you know, and he was big on getting them set up months you know, he always had his set up months in advance and not he'd set up in the spring. Yep. And he was shooting uh Boyd Iverson. Yeah, that book is awesome for any blacktail guys. If you haven't read it, you should. Um I I'm I'm kind of OCD. I, I read the book like three or four times and then I like stalker found his phone number and called him up and talked to him on the phone a whole bunch of times. Uh, it's kind of my style. I, I did the same thing to Jason Sankoviak uh, and to all kinds of other people. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I just got to get him on the phone. I want to talk to him. And so I, I got to talk to Boyd a bunch and he really uh, was the foundation of getting me into tree stand hunting. Unfortunately, uh, Boyd passed away at a kind of a younger age. I think he had cancer of some kind and it's yeah. definitely a, a loss. But yeah, that, that guy was super cool and he was shooting all his bucks with a rifle, but he was doing it from like 20 yards. Yeah. Yeah. And he shot some giants for sure. He shot some giants and he was hunting the rifle season because here in Oregon, it, it's really almost, it's really a better season. You, you, they get, they go October 1st through like the first week of November, the first like five days in November and the rut, the pre-rut where that those bucks are up and moving hard is like, October 25th through like November 10th or so. And so like Halloween being like the magic day. And so as a rifle, hunt, when I used to rifle hunt, I killed most of my bucks around that time frame or all my bucks around that time frame. And it's definitely a, an awesome time to be in the woods. Um, I, I sometimes consider getting the rifle tag and then hunting with my uh, longbow, which is legal in Oregon. It's just using a lesser weapon. Um, but it's, it's hard to give up my bow tag. Um, just because, you know, we, we have the opportunity to hunt in the early season and the late season. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. I, I have that, I have an additional deer tag that's all private land, but there's a couple places that are timber company land that I know of to hunt, you know. Yeah, uh, and, that, and it's that open. Fall. It's open like September to no or to 
next February or something, any weapon. So that's a, it's a good tag to get, especially you got a good place to go. So I need to get out and start scouting that, but I just, I might, it's, it's, you only get the tag every four or five years. And it seems like every time I get it, there's something, you know, something going on. And, and, uh, and unfortunately we just bought a house, so I'll probably be moving then and doing all kinds of good stuff. And I got two big hunts coming up in November well, maybe one big one in November and then one in December. So well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to skate it. Oh, we'll see. Well, that tag, like you said, timber company lands fall into that private. You just can't hunt public, but you can hunt private timber company lands and anything that isn't publicly owned. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're, we've got an um, interview that we did earlier in the year that we're going to put out with uh, your uh, old roommate, Scott Lacino. Mm-hmm. And Scott's a big proponent of that tag. And uh, you ought to just hit Scott up because, you know, it sounds like he's got more than enough spots to hunt. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I just don't know if I'll have any time to hunt it, you know. Yeah, well, so. you should get out at least uh, in that prime time around right before Halloween, right after Halloween. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I I don't think I'll have time to try doing the, you know, my buddy Scott, you guys will find on the podcast, he does the apples, baiting a lot of black tail guys do. I think he did some of that last year. I've never done it, um, and that was what I was going to try to do that this year, but it doesn't look like I'll have time. But I'll definitely, I'll definitely get out a few days. I got that new self climber. So I'm hoping, um, in the next couple of weeks I can get out just a couple of days. Cause I, I scouted it the last time I had the tag and I actually had a, had a stand up. Um, it actually might still be there. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> if I took it down or not, but, uh, so anyway, I, I got some, a couple areas picked out and I'm hoping if I can get out in the next couple of weeks and, and just kind of get a few trees picked out and maybe trim a couple limbs, you know, here in the next week or two, at least I'll have somewhat of a game plan for the few days I do get out. You never know. You know, that's yeah. the bonus of that is like you're saying, the rifle tag can be really good that last week. Well, this year, I think it ends on the third of November. Yeah. They, they have the youth weekend that goes two more yeah. days. So it always right. ends on a Friday youth weekend. will go through the fifth Sunday. And then, then the woods are empty from yeah. there until our late season opens, which I don't, I don't know the like, dates. It's like the 18th or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the time to go. Oh, for sure. That is prime time. So if you could just find like a, a good pinch point funnel mm-hmm. that's got some does around, yeah. uh, it, it'd be worth a sit. I mean, your first sit's the best sit. So if you, if you could just do that once or twice, at least you would, uh, uh be in the game. Yeah. We'll see. I'm supposed to close on the house and, on the 10th of November, I'm I'm leaving to go out of state on the 15th or so. Let's be tight, but yeah, figure something. Um, I just got done listening to a podcast today when I was mowing the lawn and it was, um, on wire to hunt and, uh, Mark Kenyon was interviewing the gritty Bowman. They were talking blacktails, uh, versus whitetails. Uh, Brian Brian Call the Gritty Bowman. Yeah, and it's it was a super good podcast. There, uh, uh, Gritty's hunted whitetails a couple times. It sounds like Idaho, and then down in Alabama, 
and then he's hunted blacktails quite a bit uh in with that same tag you're talking about and then the general tag in the Clackamas uh, Cascades down to the uh, suburban Oregon City areas. And it was really interesting hearing him uh, talk about the, um, you know, the what they had in common and what they didn't have in common. It was, it was, there was a lot of good information, some little tidbits I picked up there on blacktails versus whitetails, because I've never hunted whitetails. I'm just kind of going on assumption uh, of using some of these tactics on blacktails because they have um, quite a few things in common. Yeah, it sounds to me like um, the whitetails are kind of more patternable. You know, they'll they'll run this, and and I don't know, I've never whitetail hunt just from reading. You know, because I I did the same things way back then. You know, there wasn't podcasts out when I was started blacktail hunting, doing the tree stand thing real heavy. So. I, you know, Boyd Iverson's books. And then, like you said, I went to the whitetail guys. I read, I think I have all the, the Wenzel, you know, Gene yeah, and Barry, their books and read the yeah. stuff they write. And, and, um, like you said, it's super similar, you know, if, if you learn those funnels and, but like, from what I hear, you know, the whitetail guys, the same deer will walk the same trail, you know, you'll, you'll see it like that for several times where, blacktail hunting they might be in the same area you know you might see them come back through that same area but it's not you know and i don't know if it's just because of the country you know more ag country back there less less trails and less funnels and we kind of have more spread out type terrain that that's because of that but i'm i'm not so sure of course i i don't know you know i haven't hunted them but from 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 what i've in my research, I don't know that the whitetails are necessarily that much more patternable on public, but when you have these high deer densities, you're going to have maybe not the same buck using the same trail, but you're going to have so many deer using, uh, that trail that, um, you're bound to have a buck use that trail each day. It may not be the same buck. And it also sounds like these whitetails, when the rut hits hard, they throw caution to the wind and they start running around like psychopaths and, and and they're real like cagey, but really like aggressive where blacktails are always just like, like Brian was saying the difference he saw was, and I, and I, I really understood the blacktail side of that where a blacktail buck will take like two steps and just stand there and scan and look and smell and just not move and then take two more steps and then just look around. Uh, they move slow. They would rather lay down and let you walk past them. If they think you don't know they're there than to take off running, they're just yeah, sneaky. <clears throat> I think, I don't know. I think they throw caution to the wind too. When at that certain time, you know, it's like anything, it's like an elk or whatever, you know, the, maybe those deer he's hunting or, or smaller tracks of private land where they're kind of got to be more on edge. Cause they don't know, you know, they know somebody's around, right. you know, that kind of thing. I mean, every, every blacktail I've killed has been cruising, you know, just like the whitetail guy. I mean, literally cruising and, and yeah. we've had bucks that we, that we missed opportunities at because we weren't ready. You know, right. like literally just went right by, or you tried to no. go and stop them and they just cruised right by. And I've never, 
I've never watched one, honestly. I still hunting's a different story, you know, like while I've been still hunting, I've I've came up on a bed of down or or had, you know, had them lock eye, you know, had a stare off and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But all the bucks that I've seen out of my, you know, tree stands and I spent a pretty good deal of time doing it, they're cruising, you know. No, I, I yeah, <laughs> so, I've experienced I've so, experienced bucks cruising for sure. Um, but when I've experienced that, they are definitely, they're using like the thickest cover while they're cruising. It seems like they're not just running down the trail, at least I'm, but my experience, like I'm sitting on these trails and he's just mashing through the brush and I'm like, uh, what? So, um, I don't know. I guess they probably all have different personalities. Yeah. Obviously they do. Um, but I know that it's, it's not easy. No, uh, for sure. it is not easy. These, these blacktails, they, and I seem to be attracted to not easy. It's, I guess that's why I hunt with a longbow and took on the wood arrow and, um, you know, black, that's maybe why blacktails to me, it's like they're number one. Like I, <laughs> they are, they get, they are so deep in my skin. Like I, I really believe if I had to choose, like you can only hunt one, you get one tag a year. You can only hunt one thing. I don't know. I would probably choose blacktails. It's probably crazy over over elk, um, but I, I I just love that time of year. I love their meat. Uh, to me, I think it's the like I'm not a trophy hunter, but a blacktail on the wall is the prettiest animal there is. Um, I'm just all in when it comes to blacktails. Yeah, you know, six seven years ago, I would have been right there with you, but. Like I said, I've kind of changed gears. I'm, I got to kill a couple big giant mule deer on those late hunts, and then, then maybe I'll go back to it. But so, so you prefer mule deer over elk then? Over elk? Yeah. No, I. You know, I. I can't. You know, I. I don't think I could pick if you asked me that question. Oh uh, no, but, Robert! I got. A, I got a gun to your head. <laughs> I and you. You, you only you get know, one I would, season. I would probably. Well, choose elk season just because but because of different reasons you know because i've always you know my brother's always done that with me and and we've you know it takes you to kind of some cool places you know i i'd probably choose elk just because of that you know but i've always been divided because my brother just loves elk hunting he could give two rips about hunting mule deer um my dad is the other way. My dad loves hunting mule deer and he could give a rip about hunting elk. So I usually, every year, I usually try to go on and mule deer hunt, just me, you know, me and the old man for a couple of weeks. And then I, then I'll go elk hunt with my brother for a couple of weeks. So that's kind of how I've broken it up the last, you know, 15 years. And, and I've kind of grown to really like both of them. And then on top of that, I'd usually go, hunt blacktails for a couple of weeks with me and my buddies. And a lot of times by myself, not until I met, you know, Andy and Brian, I was usually blacktail hunting pretty much by myself. And, and I like that a lot too. So I, I don't know what I'd do. Like I said, I, I, I don't know. It'd be a tough decision. I hear but you. I, mean, I, 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 like I like to like... do, that's what my wife would like me to do is just to pick one, but I'd tell her I can't, I got to pick all three. Don't buy her a gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's got one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not good, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I 
I, I, like I said, I, I love spot and stock mule deer. Um, I love calling elk. I mean, I do. I, I, I you it's know, not, after it's I not, think, I think it's a timing thing for me. Right. So I hunted blacktails quite a bit for like 10 years. And when I started hunting them was kind of the tail end of what I believe is like the good times where I hunted them. Right. You know, we've had no logging. We've had mountain lions that don't get controlled and, and bears that don't get controlled. You know, we can't hunt them with hounds anymore. And, 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 you know, you, you can't control them properly doing that. You know, I think right now we had that biologist a couple of years ago at the TAO meeting. And he, I think there's like twice as many cougars in Oregon that they think there should be or something, you know, yeah, that they know of or whatever. So I think the, you know, the, the population definitely just dozed off. When I first started hunting up there in my early twenties, I could hunt the weekends back when I was working construction. And I, and I would just tell myself, I was like, if I hunt every day I have off and, you know, and I'd usually try to take a Friday or something and just hit it hard all day, every day, I'll get a shot at a big buck. I'll get a good opportunity at a big buck. And it, and I would for, for years I did. And then I started hunting tree stands and then, you know, as it was getting tougher. And then, like I said, (laughs) the last few years, I mean, it just got, it got tougher and tougher and tougher as you go. And, and I, and I love having a challenge and a tough hunt. I mean, I'm, I'm like you, like I said, uh, there's a reason we do it, but I also like to have opportunities too. And you, when you hunt something for 15 days, and you don't even, you know, and it's not like you get, when you're in a tree stand, it's either like it happens or it doesn't, right? You know, and you don't yeah. even like, I mean, one year, me, me, uh, Dan, Dan came up, we, we both hunted 10, 12 days and I didn't even come close to having an opportunity. He didn't either. You know I mean? That's, that's what can happen up there. And I think becoming, coming on the tail end of that. And then I, I kind of drew a decent. I'd been on some rut hunts before for mule deer, but I drew a tag back in 2012, I think. And after having, I think 11, that, you know, super rough year, blacktail hunting. And then you go hunt mule deer and you're like, huh, I'm seeing 50 deer a day. You know, it's, it's like, now this is gonna, you know, it's just way more fun, you know? And, and, uh, so there's, there's, I don't know, you know, there's like some sort of, in between there. And I think it was timing for me too. It's like, well, I'm going to try to. And so, so I kind of just took on a new challenge, you know, which is harder. I don't, I don't get a scout it, you know, where I'm going. It's harder to get tags for those late hunts. So hunting the same area makes it kind of tough. Um, it's a long ways away, you know, whether I'm in, in, um, you know, Utah or Idaho or Nevada, Eastern Washington has some late hunts, you know, it makes it, it makes it a little tougher, but it's just kind of something new, you know, for me. But I do miss the blacktails, you know, especially yeah. since I've gotten to know you, and that's all you talk about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to hunt some mule deer, some late season mule deer. I haven't done that yet, and I, and I would like to do that via tree stand versus spot and stock, just because I'm really getting into the ambush thing, mm-hmm. and and uh, we're looking at uh, doing a whitetail hunt uh, in December. Um, I'm still not for sure if I'm going to be able to make that because of work, but I know you and Andy and Carson Brown are going on that hunt, and I sure hope that I'm going to be able to join you guys. Uh, It's kind of on the fence, but I I would like to go somewhere where you see a lot more critters. But I think even with blacktails, 
there are places you can go. I mean, I do hunt the coast where I get the same uh, sightings that you're getting in the Cascades where it's just you can sit all day and not see a deer. But you can go into the Willamette Valley uh, all the way down the I-5, anywhere on the I-5 corridor from uh, Portland to uh, Ashland, the whole state, there's a better deer density and if you do some scouting and, and hunt some of those areas, you, you can see deer every day. Uh, I've done it, and it is a lot of fun when you actually get to see what you're after. And I'm hoping in the late season, my plan at this point is to hunt around home in some of my spots where I'm prepared to not see deer every day. And if I can get a crack at some of the, uh, a few of these bucks that I hope are around, that that'll be great. And if I don't, that second estrus is falls around Thanksgiving time, and I will be going to Southern Oregon, where there is more hunting pressure down there, but there's a lot of deer, and you actually get to uh, see a lot of. If you line it up right, like if you can get the weather with the rut, and you know uh, the you know you just kind of get the line the stars up with the moon, you, you, it's 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 amazing. It's it's my favorite place in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Those late hunts, the weather, that's what I've been learning hunting those late mule deer hunts is the weather can make it or break it, you know? Yeah. It makes get a big blues. difference when you're hunting, you know, like a rut slash migration hunt. When you get early snow up high, it makes right. a huge difference. I mean, it, you know, we, we were able to hunt the same place a couple of years in a row in um, Utah and anyway, we, the first year we hunted it, it was, um, you know, it was great. It was fantastic. You know, like we had a good time. I shot under a couple bucks right at that 38, you know, yard right at the max distance I'll shoot, you know, and I, I was having shoulder issues. I, I wasn't, I probably shouldn't have been shooting that far then just cause I wasn't dialed as much as I wanted and I, I think I was just short drawing a little bit, you know, it was before my surgery and I shot under a couple nice little four points and I passed up a lot of small bucks and, and, uh, my buddy, uh, Brian, he hunts with a compound. He killed a giant buck and then Andy passed up some small bucks. I mean, we just had, we had a blast. It was, it was a great time. And then we go back the next year and <laughs> nobody just really dead. had a good opportunity yeah it was yeah. just dead you know and it's that, like it's like you know this is gonna be great you're all fired up and you're like what is going on you know, there's way more people you know i think yeah like anything you know you have a good year and then ever you know everybody goes home and tells three of their buddies and then there's three times as many people the next year and just people everywhere way less deer and it it sucked so Weather dependent for sure. Yeah, and 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 yes, that was what I was going like. They we did not get an early snow like they did the year before. You know, you can look at like the a lot of them online now. You can go to like where you think the deer migrate out of, and they'll have like uh, I think the site's called like Snowtell or something online, and you can see the the snowpack. You know, and and I looked it up from those two years, and the year it was good at the beginning of season there was like. 16 inches up in the mountains, you know, up high. And then the year we had it, there was like two, you know? Yeah. 
Um, I think that makes a huge difference on those late hunts. And, and I've had the same thing happen on some Nevada hunts where just no snow. And then you talk to guys while you're down there hunting that had it four years before that. And there was, you know, deer everywhere standing off the side of the road and, you know, blah, 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 just running all over. Like what? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know Southern Oregon's the same way. Like it's weather dependent and you need that snow to push those because you have resonant deer, but then you have migratory deer coming off of several mountain ranges and you need that early snowpack to push them down to that lower elevation into the wintering ground. And then it's like bananas. Like you got, instead of just hunting the resident bucks that know where they're at, they're really aware of their surroundings. You get these, you get these migratory deer that are, um, invading these areas and they're bringing their does and it's just kind of a madhouse. And I, I think in the 10 years that I've been hunting Southern Oregon, I've only hit the magic, you know, time, maybe four, four of the 10 years, maybe 40% of the time. But w- when it happens, man, and my, my experience down there, actually, I was hunting, um, um, basically I was just scouting. I, I was hunting them like I would elk, like me and my buddy are just on foot covering tons of ground, doing some rattle setups and trying to call deer in and, and really just, really it's just scouting is really all it was. And I want to capitalize on all that scouting and start tree stand hunting down in that ground because now I know all kinds of spots and, um, tree stand hunting, you know, is pretty new to me. It's just, this will be my, uh, uh, second year. I I've done it for like four years. Like, like I'll put a stand up and hunt for a few hours and then I'll go cover a bunch of ground on foot. But the last, last year I committed to it and where I was just like, I'm only hunting out of the tree stand. And I really feel it's, it's the best way to go to get a shot at uh, one of these wily blacktails. Yeah, for sure. And when you're hunting with a, a long bow, you know, recurve, whatever, uh, it's important to have a shot where they're not, they don't know you're there. I mean, that's yeah for me, I, you know, and I know when I was sw- doing the switch and which took me years and years, cause I had so many animals just jump the string, you know, they'd take off where my arrow got there. They'd take off and it'd skip off their back. I don't know how many I skipped off deer and elk and whatever, you know, it was like every time. And I'm like, what is going on? Well, I mean, yeah. I was used to calling it a bull, cow calling and stopping it. It looks at me, doesn't matter. I shoot it, it's dead. Well, when it looks at you like that, when you're shooting a wood arrow at it from 25 yards, it takes off before your arrow gets there. Then you're like, gosh, dang it. So, I mean, through those experiences, I that's when I decided, you know, because even early on up there, I started reading Boyd Iverson's books and the same thing. I'd put up a stand or two on, you know, just like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was 20 years old. You know, I look, follow all the tracks and just put it on like an old skid road and think that now this is where all the deer tracks are. They're going to come by, you know, and I'd sit there for a couple hours, a couple different times, not see anything and then give up on it. And I mean, I got a lot of buddies that same way. I mean, nobody, none of my friends really hunt out of tree stands. It's because I feel like, like you said, you kind of have to commit to it. You know, you got to spend some yeah. time. It's, it's just, it's just a time thing. We, I listened to that push podcast with, um, that whitetail guy, Bob, Bobby Worthington or something. 
Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, yeah, Bobby Orrington. That guy that was, is a stud. And, a total and, stud. And he he's right. I mean, he's totally right. It's all just a matter of time. you know. And that's what the first year that Dan came up with me, I told him, I said, hey, we're going to sit. And we sit every morning, every evening. Because like I said, we'd sit for three or four or five hours in the morning and three or four or five hours in the evening. Middle of the day, we'd go, you know, just stretch our legs a little bit eat a sandwich, you know, maybe fire, you know, shoot a couple shots, try to rattle in a buck, screw around a little bit, you know, just, just to break it up. So it's so cold. But I'm like, if we do that, cause I'd done it a couple years before Dan came up, you know, and as if we do that and we stick to it all week, it'll happen. And it, and it only failed us one time, you know, like it never really happened that one year I was telling you about, but, but other than that, it happened. But I mean, you're spending all your time in a tree stand and you're, you know, and it's, it's like, it is the most mentally challenging part of hunting that there is. You know, it's like you can be glassing and, well, you're seeing stuff or whatever. You can be still hunting and you're thinking, well, over the next hill or over the next hill or there I jumped a deer. There's a fresh rub. You know, you're changing scenery and you can stop and eat a sandwich. And But when you're sitting in a tree stand, you're just staring at the same place. Yeah. Every time and- you go, you know, and, and you mix them up different stands, but still. And you're at least where I hunt, like you, there's been... I could count on one hand the amount of times I sat in a tree stand and even saw deer, you know, that just walked by that I didn't get a shot at. You know, 90% of the time, the deer I see is the buck I shoot. And it's right. and it's walking by and you shoot it and there's your season. And you, and, and you can do that for six or seven days and then you call your buddies and they're all, ah, I rattled in a big buck or, or yeah. you know, Brian missed one or I shot under one. And you're yeah. like, oh, and it... And it makes you think I should go rattling tomorrow. I should go hiking or I should do this. And, and you got to stick with it. I mean, I even remember the, I don't remember if it was the first buck I killed with, I think it was the first buck I killed with my recurve. I was hiking into my stand and, and I'm always kind of in between whether to go in in the dark with a flashlight or I usually, what I usually do now is I'll get within my, at least my favorite stand, I get within a couple hundred yards. It's in this big patch of old growth timber. I turn off my light and then I wait till it's, I mean, it's still too dark to shoot or anything, but just where it's light enough, I can sneak in without my flashlight. Well, you know what? I was listening to a podcast today and they got this guy, his, he was, he's a big, it was on wired to hunt and he was interviewing this guy that hunts public and he he said one of the biggest mistakes guys make is that he his opinion was that the gray light where it's like not quite ready to shoot is when deer can see the best yeah and that and that you should you you're better off having your flashlight on and going right to your stand and getting on up there with your light on than you are sneaking in in that gray light that's what this guy was saying yeah, I, I mean was like, he's he's probably right i mean i don't know what the hell i'm doing most of the time but right, I, and I, I always I was, feel i just feel like man i got this big light on everything in the world's yeah. gonna see me and yeah. so i you know and i've done it both i've killed deer both ways i've killed no, deer I, going in 40 minutes before light and sitting there and then i've killed deer sneaking in right and and so right. this i'll give you a prime example so i did that that, and I, back to my story, I think it was the first buck I killed with the recurve. So I, I slip in, going up this little patch of timber, and I don't know about you, but even just sneaking into my stand, I'm always just so anal. I'm not an anal person, but when I am going into my tree stand, 
I'm just freaked out. I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to yeah. make a noise. I don't want to rustle anything. I don't want my light on. And I, and I, and I'm literally like, it makes me sweat even though I'm not doing yeah. anything, you know? So, totally. so I'm sneaking in there. You're all nervous. You know, I'm trying to get in there and I, I slip up in my tree. I pull up my bow, get an arrow knocked. And literally I look at, I'm, and, and it's just now light enough to see, you know, by the time I've snuck all the way up in there and 80 yards out, a big black tail just walks by. You know, this is, like I said, one of the few I can count on my hand that just actually walked by. And I remember that morning it, 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 the snow was like, it, it was snowed a bunch the night before, but it was a warmer morning, you know, and it was like already falling out of the trees and the wind was blowing a little bit. And so up there, that's a good day to be out tracking bucks. You know, you got some snow, you got it melting. It's making a bunch of noise. I mean, it makes a ruckus in the woods when that snow's melting off those trees and crashing and, and you can walk right up on bucks. And so immediately I'm like, Oh, I should get down and follow this thing. And then I'm like, Nope, I got to stick with it. You know, this is how you kill them. Cause I killed a few before that, you know, with my trees out of the tree stand with a compound. I'm like, Nope, you gotta commit to this. Don't do yeah. it. You know, I'm telling myself, don't do it. And then my the little devil on my shoulder saying, you know, screw it, Bob, go kill that thing. You can do it. You, you can, can do, do it. it. And I'm like, yeah. there's, you know, the angel's like, there's no way you're going to sneak up on that thing. You know, you're, yeah. it'll be all it's jacked up and, and go kill it, go kill it. And so I'm like, nope, I'm going to stick with it. And 40 minutes later, three point come by, shoot it. So you got, you got to commit to it and, and just, and, and that's, you know, it's like an elk hunting, I feel like is totally different. I feel like if you lock yourself in to one thing, elk hunting, then, you know, you're, you're totally limiting your options. And I think the best elk hunters out there, they call, you know, and then they stock and they try, you know, they kind of do it all and they, whatever situation, however, the feel of the elk they're calling, you know, they, they just know what to do, you know, and it's yeah. always, it's not always the exact same thing. It's a deep, a yeah. deep uh, bag of, uh, uh, of tricks. Of yeah. And, it, and you have to be more almost laid back in a way to where, where, um, you need to be able to adjust kind of on the fly. And that's, that's been hard for me to learn over the years because when it comes to hunting, I'm, I'm a super planner and kind of anal, which is totally weird. Cause it's total opposite in the rest of my life. But yeah. when it comes to that, like, I want to have a plan, you know, and it, and I want to know like, okay, I'm going to sit on this Ridge and this buck comes by and I've been scouting and, and blah, 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 blah. And, and it's taken me, it's only been the last few years where I feel like elk hunting. I've finally, you know, learned enough to just do what I need to do, you know, and, and, yeah. and it starts working out. But the deer, I feel like for me, at least when your tree stand, like having that, like, like that Bobby Worthington guy saying it's, it's a timing thing. The more hours you spend sitting in that tree in that funnel when they could be possibly cruising the better chance you got to kill in that buck. And it's that simple, you know, and, and there you go. I mean, yeah. e easy money. So, and, and I noticed like the Western guys, like, you know what I mean? Like mo all of our acquaintances or friends, like most of them are like, dude, I, that's crazy. I could never sit in a tree stand, not for like 20 minutes. I just wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And it's like, well, you probably could if you, you know, if you look and, and they're always like, no, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And then you talk to these Eastern guys and they're like, that's the only way to hunt. Like we, I wouldn't even consider 
if I'm on the ground, I'm in a ghillie suit or in a ground blind or I'm in a tree. Like I'm not going to go wandering around. The only way I feel confident of getting a shot is ambush hunting and they don't even know what it's like to cover ground. And so it's, it's two different yeah, worlds. I mean, you, and, you, and I'm it's watching... surprising. Like it'll happen eventually. And it's happened in my, you know, like I said, I started doing it when I was 20. I'm 37 now. And back when I started tree stand hunting, nobody did it. I mean, you heard rumors of like one other guy doing it, you know, like nobody did it back then. Yeah. And now, I mean, even some of my buddies that never, you know, like a lot of guys are doing it up there in that area, you know, tons of guys, you know, like tons of guys. You sat, you're starting to sit tree stand for elk, which next year I plan to start implementing that. I've done that over a wall once or twice, but I plan to put that into my bag of tricks for for Roosevelt's. I don't Um, have that figured out yet. So here's what I get. I don't get about the, the, you know, a lot of these guys that don't, that say they can't sit a tree stand like they they can't do it they can't do it but they they like to glass like yeah i hunt some open country i mean yeah i don't like glassing i'd rather be you know like i i hate glassing like i don't know why guys like it so much i i guess i love glassing. i hate it i you're sitting uncomfortable you're looking and then you find a deer and you got to watch it for hours and it's just like i, I don't like it at all i'd rather be sitting in a tree because at least when i'm in a tree yeah, I know. Yeah. Like in a, in a matter of seconds, my whole season can change. You know, like in a matter of seconds, like just puck, anything could walk by at any time. You know, a mountain lion, a bear, uh, you know, zebra, it's, whatever. You know, that's probably not happen. But yeah, but it, it's true. That's what's cool about uh, the uh, the late season or the archery season for us is we've got a bear tag, a mountain lion tag, a deer tag. I mean, anything could just happen, and you're going to get a shot at something and you know, um, and, and I, I listen to, uh, all the, uh, the push podcasts. I listen to all their stuff. Um, Matt Zernzak and Tim Nebel. And I could tell during elk season, they were kind of like, man, all our friends are elk hunting. They were like, you know, kind of jealous, like, man, we should be elk hunting. And now elk hunting's over. And these guys have got multiple deer tags in their pocket. I know we're and- sitting around talking about it. God yeah, damn it. And, and Neville <laughs> just killed a stud buck. Yeah. And Matt Zernzak's took on several does. And I'm sitting back here drooling like, man, I wish I was back east. I wish I had a bunch of deer tags. I wish I had whitetails. Like, so it, 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 uh, it flip flops both ways. Like, I'm sure the eastern guys, uh, you know, look up or, you know, can be envious of us being able to hunt bears and, mule deer and blacktails and whitetails and elk all in one state. But then when it's not our turn and they, they've get this three, four month long season with like two, three, four, five, six tags, some States, even more than that. I I'm, I'm just, I'm jealous. I'm like, man, let, I want to go do what they're doing. Plus a lot of those States, they get to hunt pigs too. I mean, how awesome would that be to be, you know, kind of yeah. year round, but you know, we, we got it pretty good. So No, we do. We do. I uh I look forward to getting at, being able to uh to doing it all as uh you know, my family grows a little older and I can <laughs> uh my job becomes more flexible. I mean, I that's uh the beauty of maturing, I suppose. And so someday uh 
it just seems like every year I, I get, you know, a little more opportunity and I, I see later in life, uh, there'll be a lot more opportunity, but I'm, I'm blessed for what we have now. And, and, uh, I'm really looking forward to the season. It's going to be a ton of fun and we will uh, definitely keep you guys posted on, on how it goes. And I'm going to keep, uh, you know, listening to the uh, wired to hunt and the push and Jason Sankoviak and the gritty Bowman and Cody rich and all these podcasts living through these guys, uh, vicariously is kind of keeping me going. And, and, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm do, you, do you have the Wenzel books? If I, not, I, I should have... loan you a couple of them. Cause those, those for me were just, I, I like listening to those guys that are super, into it and then those guys just simplify everything man and they're hilarious and it's just awesome you know like those guys are are awesome so i definitely recommend their books and those what what i really liked about their books is i don't remember which one it was but they just kind of had a section there on like tips you know like little things that they've learned from hunting for a million years and that's why like listen these podcasts you you know sankoviak you know you learned about the the milkweed and and, you know, like cutting some socks to put over my shoes and put a warmer in there. Like, I never even thought about that stuff. You know, I'm an yeah. idiot. But, but, and then Which listen to the Wenzel, the Wenzel book. I, I'll have to look at it. And I, I should have uh, known that before this podcast, but I'll look at it and let you know. But he talks about um, chocolate covered espresso beans. I don't mm-hmm. go on a tree stand without them. I, well, Early season this year, they all melted into a big blob, so that didn't work with a crap. But, you know, you get tired, lull of the day, whatever. You just crunch up a couple espresso beans and, you know, bam, handful of those, you're wired, ready to rock, you know. Dude, one of those. I'm sensitive, <laughs> so I actually will take – I will, might take you up on that because my wife will go through drive through coffee and they'll put one of those on there, and I'll eat one of those, and I'm wired. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah it works it works great you know like so i mean just those little things are huge and and just you know he also talks about how he doesn't know whether it's coincidence or not but like the best tasting bucks that he's ever had died in like an icy pond you know in a cold pond he and he noticed it like or creek or whatever right and he and he noticed it after like kind of a coincidence after a couple times of shooting them, uh, and then he started as soon as he shot one every time he just got it as close as he could you know went to the closest place and just dunked it in there. So I don't know. Last blacktail I killed a few years ago, I did that. I drugged that thing a mile and a half. It was pretty cool. I shot this buck, and I was super. I read that Larry Benoit had just passed away, and the guys back east will know who he is, but. He was a rifle hunter, but just like a legendary tracker. He wrote a book back in 75, How to Bag the Biggest Buck of Your Life. And he killed like 300 bucks, tracking them in the snow. And he used a pump 30-06. I mean, just a stud. And you listen to the, you read his book, and it's just awesome. Well, he used to always, they drug all their bucks out whole. And he'd get it, take like a piece of cord with him and yeah. grab a stick and, you know, just drug them out. That's and it, a, sometimes. That's that's an yeah. Eastern thing. Yeah. And sometimes it take them that. like two days. Like, you know, us out here in the West, we're like, why in the hell would you do that? We just cut yeah. the thing up and put it on our pack board, you know, like yeah. that's stupid. But just for the hell of it, I shot a buck and it was, a, it wasn't a giant buck. Either. It was a three point, you know, and pretty small body on him. So, 
And I was super into that book, you know, I was super, just got done reading it. And so I, I brought my cord, I tied it on there. I grabbed a stick and I drug that thing. Uh, what is it? I think it's on Google. It was like 1.39 miles. <laughs> and then I got it in my truck and I drove to the closest Creek and dunked it in the Creek. Huh. But, and it just tasted like all the other deer. But I don't have I don't have a problem with any blacktail. They for me it's the number not only I mean I think they're the best eating animal too. Maybe that's why I'm so in love with them. But I like I I got my elk, and she eats she eats good. I mean don't get me wrong. She died on her feet, and we got her butchered up, and I took great care of her. But oh man, it's not blacktail meat for me, and I don't know. But yeah, I love black blacktails. Um, but yeah, going back to those books, I have, I think it's Gene Wenzel, Buckskin and Bone, yeah, Buckskin and Bone or Buckskin and Broadheads or something. like that. I think it's Buckskin and Bone and uh, Come November. I think might be the two I have. I think maybe I have one okay. more. But Buckskin yeah, it, all their books. I don't know. They think they only have three or four of them. I think you can yeah. go to their Brothers of the Bow website and order them. I actually got those books at the PBS biannual thing they had in portland what was that six seven years ago i was at that yeah so yeah i met those guys there i I didn't even realize who i was meeting but yeah they signed they signed my books so it was pretty cool yeah Yeah, that uh that book is super good i've read it several times i actually just got a new book in the mail recently uh mapping trophy bucks i can't remember the author's name but i've had so many people recommend it on these whitetail forms that I went ahead and ordered it. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to reading that because it's supposed to be a super good read. Um, so, yeah. And in, in, I'm just a geek for this information. And most of it is whitetail related. So I think that's why I so badly want to start hunting whitetails, even though I'm a blacktail nut, because I've spent so much time researching whitetails to apply it to the blacktail woods. Yeah. You know, I... My sister-in-law lives back east. They live in North Carolina, and um, I'd never even been back east. You know, my dad's from Texas, so I, you know, I've got some family down there. I've been down there. Well, we flew into North Carolina, and they live in—I um, don't remember the name. That little town, like Flat Rock or something, but they live right by Asheville, and it's at the base of the Smoky Mountains. And there's like two million acres of national forest there, and. I, my brother-in-law doesn't hunt, so I don't really know how the seasons work. I got the regs the last time I was there. It sounds pretty complicated. I went to the archery shop and that guy was just like, well, there's too many does, you know, I asked him when the rut was and I, you know, like just kind of doom and gloom guy. And I'm like, well, shoot, I'll shoot the does in, you know, (laughs) I don't care. But from what I saw, like, I guess it's just like free reign, you know, like national forest during the season. And I'm guessing it'd be just like where I hunt here, like super low deer densities, but there's still deer in those mountains and nobody, it didn't, yeah. you know, I don't think anybody really bow hunts them. And, uh, so I, I'd be super cool to go back there, but I definitely want to do it. I don't know when it's cold. Cause there's timber yeah. rattlers and all kinds of crazy snakes yeah. and shit back there. So yeah. I, people don't really like walk through the woods there. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. It, do some research. It'd be fun to do kind of like a, backpack type trip over in I that got area a, i got a feeling we've got some whitetail uh adventures uh in our in our our uh 
in our future together. And I'm, I look forward to that, but we, we should wrap this up and we will, uh, we'll keep you guys posted on how our deer hunting's going. And yeah, that's a wrap. Yeah. All right. Well, just good luck, I guess everybody out there that's whitetail hunting. Thanks yeah. for listening to us BS about our hunts coming up. Yeah, like you said, sure. we'll keep you posted. Yeah, we're, we're definitely envious and, uh, yeah, good luck to everybody out there. Well, hey, uh, everybody out there, thanks for uh, joining us again tonight. Uh, We promise you more hardcore, traditional bow hunting interviews with uh, all the greats and the guys you've never heard of. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Play. Check us out on our website, tradquest.com. 